Hi, I'm Lisa, compulsive reader. Hi. Oh, it's good to be here. Thanks, Tusa, for asking me to lead. Um, I guess just to qualify, I've been in program for 12 years. January, God willing, I'll have 12 years of abstinence. Um, my abstinence is no binging, um, no refined sugar, um, and I'm down about 25 pounds from my top weight. Um, I guess I'll just go into what it was like, what happened, what it's like now. Um, sure. So I, let's see, my parents split up when I was nine, and I just remember at a pretty early age turning to food, um, 10, 11, 12, coming home from school. Um, we often were home. My brother and I were home. My mom was working and we were home alone and I would binge. I would eat a bowl of cereal and a bunch of cookies and feel disgusting. Um, I remember at a really young age going into the bathroom and telling myself to throw up. I never did. I would stare at my finger. I would will it to go in my mouth and I just never did it. I hate throwing up. So that was what I did for years. I would binge and go in the bathroom and this voice in my head would tell me, you're fun, disgusting, go throw up. Just get rid of it. And, um, you know, I did that for a long time but never actually purged. Um, I, you know, things shifted through high school. My weight shifted. Things were chaotic at home. Um, going back and forth from two houses. My mom was, that's a whole other story, but it was challenging at home. Um, when I got to college, continued, got into exercise, just a lot of food obsession, body obsession, body hatred, self-hatred, comparing. Um, everything would be perfect if I was just thin, you know, that old that old saying, and not being able to stop stealing my roommate's food. Um you know, can't stop eating sugar till I'm going to pop. And, um, and then the remorse and self-hatred the next day. And really what it did is it took me out. It really took me out. So when I was eating, I stopped thinking about whatever was going on, whether it was at home or friends or family or whatever it was. I would completely get taken out of that situation and I would be put in my body. And I think on a lot of levels I chose that. I wanted to be in my body. I didn't want to deal with everything else that was going on. So when I overate... I was in my body. I hate my body. I'm disgusting. I need to lose weight. I'm this. I'm that. And that's where I focused and everything else went away. I moved to L.A. Um, God, about, I don't know, 15 years ago. And the sugar had gotten to a point where I couldn't binge anymore. It was one bite, one M&M. And the feelings of self-hatred and self-loathing came on after one bite. And... Um, I, it's a funny story, which I've shared before. I was in Vegas with my dad, and um, I was at the M&M store, which is like M&M was always my drug of choice. And it was like wall-to-wall M&M's. So I, like, get this bag together, and I'm going to send it home to my mom, and I'm not going to eat any. And I don't. I don't eat any. I'm with my dad, and we leave and like two days later we're going to go see a show i'm like okay let's go to the m&m store and i'll get m&ms for the show if it's a planned binge i always thought it would be fine mm-hmm. always it's going to be fine this time and my dad's like he knew like are you sure yeah, yeah it's fine it's raining we're like running to the store <laughs> i fill this bag of m&ms i put one in my mouth and the feelings of revulsion and self-hatred and disgust just one m&m I put the bag down, and I'm like, Dad, we need to go. And my dad looks at me. He's like, you need help. I'm like, I know. know." So I didn't eat them. So we left. And so 
that's what it was the year before I got into program. I couldn't binge anymore. And um, I had made friends with this couple. They were, she, she was like anorexic and hardcore Al-Anon, and he was a drug addict. And um, they were a lot of fun, and I used to hang out with them a lot, <laughs> doing not-so-good things with them. And um, he... She was working, he was usually unemployed and popping pills and pretended to be sober. And I somehow started talking to him about all this stuff and he kind of 12-stepped me. I thought about going to an AA meeting, like I didn't really know a lot about OA and, and then he wasn't going to meetings and I had this big plan to go to AA with him and see if, you know, alcohol, sugar. And, and then I finally made it to an OA meeting and um, I really just related right away. I, um, I remember the speaker I remember being shocked when I first heard about abstinence. I thought I was going to learn how to eat sugar like a normal person, not how to abstain from it. But um, that's not how it actually evolved. And so I came to my first meeting and I stayed. I just really related. I, um, I got a sponsor and you know started working the steps and started connecting with fellows and and thus began the OA journey. Um, Okay, I'm done. I'm just kidding. Um, so, so, so I got a sponsor, and um, and it's funny. I didn't come into program at my top weight. I put down the sugar, and um, you know, I was single and going out a lot. And this is just part of my story, which is sort of interesting. Is the the drinking picked up, and I never had issues with alcohol. I was always a really like a couple drinks, all good, three drinks, two drinks, whatever. And um, I started going out and I was drinking a lot and that being done just didn't happen. Like I just wasn't, it was like, sure, I'll have another, sure. Like there was just, no, it just, my body completely changed with alcohol. And I started blacking out and I started doing crazy stuff. I mean, I was 29, 30 and, um, and I had a sponsor in OA who said, um, you're not abstinent if you're doing that, you need to stop drinking. So I stopped drinking for six months, which was fine. I didn't need AA, thank God. I stopped drinking for six months, and then I started up again, and it was fine. I could still drink a glass of wine. It was fine. And so, but that was just part of this weird journey of, of alcohol. And, um, and during that period of going out and drinking and eating crap at 2 in the morning, I gained weight. I remember um, I, my clothes didn't fit. And I remember being at Century City trying on clothes and going up a size and they were too tight and going up and, and refusing to go up another size. And I was standing in front of Godiva thinking like, this is fucking, sorry, I'm not being recorded. This is like, this is BF. Like I was much thinner when I was binging and exercising a lot and doing a bit of restricting and, you know, eating sugar a few times a week. And then it just worked better at that time. And I thought I should just leave. And I was standing in front of Godiva deciding if I should go in or not and just call the whole thing off and somehow I made it to my car and I didn't and um, you know during that period it was really hard I was really uncomfortable in my body and um, I used to just pray every day just God like help me love and accept my body as it is today help me make good food choices for my body not my head you know help me stay abstinent today um, and really just sit through the tension of feeling so uncomfortable because what do we do when we feel uncomfortable in our bodies we want to eat you know like the fatter I feel the more disgusting I feel the more I want to eat so when I'm sitting in that and I don't want to eat and I want to take off this weight it's so hard and that's what I did I just 
prayed and I just had to sit through the tension of it, which was really, really, un- really hard. And finally, the weight came off. And, um, you know, I went to grad school and um, I got married and had a baby obstinately and, you know, all these gifts of program. And um, being able to do all those things without compulsively overeating is such a gift. You know, I remember an undergrad, I mean, studying and eating little mini M&M bars and just eating crap while I was studying and just not doing well in school and being so unfocused and going to grad school and just doing it, you know, just being really focused and and feeling all the feelings, being anxious and being nervous about grades and working really hard and being really stressed out, but that was what it was. And I wasn't, you know, escaping those feelings with food. And I think that's really what I've learned over these last these last 12 years is how to live on life's terms without food. And life can be a real effing shit show sometimes. You know, I'm in one right now. And, you know, before I get to that, it's... Um, you know, I wanted to share, I started up a business about three and a half years ago, and I would not have gotten through that family without a connection with God and without a fellowship. I was in so much anxiety about that business, and was it going to happen? Would it take off? Would, it, would I make money? Like, what, what was going to be? And through this program, I learned faith in action, faith in action. And every day I prayed, and every day I took as much action as I could. I just prayed for today. What can I do to build this business? What do I have to do today, God? And help me just be okay in today and be in acceptance of where I am today and all those things. And then take as much action as I could to build the business. And um, it took time, but I did. I built a business, and it's done really well. The business up and flows, you know, with the year and in... It gets really busy sort of the end of September through May, and then it gets quiet in June, picks up in July, quiet August, September. So the last couple of years, that's been the pattern. And this past August got quiet. September, I'm like, okay, God, like, is it going to pick up again? And it's that I just don't get into that major panic. You know, I just don't. It's like, okay, I get to go to more meetings. I go to more yoga. I see more friends. And I just trust that it's going to work out. Of course, there's fear and anxiety. But it's so tame um, just from being here for so long. There's just a faith. You know, there's just a trust with that. And then, like, two weeks ago, I got flooded with calls. And I'm busy again. And it's it's just getting... Like I sometimes talk to my husband, it's like getting hysterical and anxious and crazy and worrying. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't bring in business. It doesn't change whatever's going on in your life. And so I've really learned how to, you know, have that contact with God and how to just trust what's happening for the most part. Um, And that's been a real gift of this program. Um, I feel like that's just made me such a more sane person about our mom, about our wife, about our friend. Um... So that's that's been such a gift. Um, And I'll just share something that's pretty intense for me right now is, you know, over the last couple of years, we've been trying to have another baby, and I've been suffering miscarriages. I just had my fourth miscarriage a few weeks ago. And that that really rocks me, and that really does put a wall between me and God. Um, A sponsor I have in another program, which I love hearing this, and she said to me that, sort of along the lines of um, it's biological it doesn't really have anything to do with God and God's job is really to carry you through whatever's going on in your life and it's he doesn't make magic like he can't you know he can't fix whatever's going on in here he's just 
there to carry me through it. And that does help. You know, I haven't gotten into I hate God or it's more just some silence with God and just having a hard time praying um, shortly after these miscarriages. And then I get back to it because I just feel better when I do it. And um, I'm in a big unknown right now. You know, I don't know if I'm going to have another baby or starting to look into, you know, treatments, fertility stuff. And all I know is to take action and then see what is going to be. And I don't know what's going to be. And I don't like not knowing what's going to be. It's, again, very uncomfortable. Sitting in it is really uncomfortable. I want another baby. Why are there all these crazy people having babies that put them in foster care or can't parent or whatever and and I can't have a baby, you know? And that it's just what it is and I can't control any of that. Um, So I don't know what's going to be. You know, we're starting to see different doctors and we'll decide if we want to move forward with IVF or not and just have our one, which I'm so grateful for her. She's such a gift and such a blessing and um, and I don't know what's going to be. And so having having a place to talk about it and fellows and meetings, it just helps. It's just, you know, when it first happened, there was about three weeks where I was out of my mind. I was crying every day. I was angry. I felt depressed. And I don't suffer from depression. And just feeling really in it. And I think from not eating, I get to feel everything. And I, I you know, I went to see my therapist that I hadn't seen in a really long time. And I tell her what's going on. I'm like, okay, what do I do? I just want to get rid of these feelings. I want to be happy, joyous, and free again. Just get it away. Look, I'm done. I don't want to have these feelings. And she's like, you have to just go through it. I don't want to go through it. I don't want to. I just want to be happy. I just want to be, like, either want to be an acceptance of just having one and be fine with that, or I want to have a baby. I don't want to be in the middle ground of, like, what's going on. And every time I would pray and get clarity after a miscarriage, it came back, you, you need to have another baby. And I have another, I get pregnant again, and then I lose it. It's like, what's going on? Why does this keep happening? And I just don't know. I just don't know. Um, so all I know is that I just keep taking action um, to the next level as far as seeing doctors and trying to trust that whatever happens will happen and it's I guess we'll be okay either way and um, you know that's just that's just how it's going to be you know I'm my daughter's in preschool and so I'm surrounded by babies and pregnant women and it's really hard it's really hard and not getting into that whole comparing and jealousy and um, you know all these different things and it's just it does not do me any good it really just doesn't do me any good I am I frequently I'll just read this because I I frequently read this when um, when I get into that the St. Francis prayer I just think it's such a Lord, make me a channel of thy peace, that where there is hatred I may bring love, that where there is wrong I, bring, I may bring the spirit of forgiveness, that where there is discord I may bring harmony, that where there is error I may bring truth, that where there is doubt I may bring faith, that where there is despair I may bring hope, that where there are shadows I may bring light, that where there is sadness I may bring joy. Lord, grant that I may seek rather to comfort than to be comforted, to understand than to be understood, to love than to be loved. For it is by, for it is by self-forgetting that one finds. It is by forgiving that one is forgiven. And it is by dying that one awakens to eternal life. And I love that prayer because 
it just sort of looks at how I want to be and just all these feelings I have and how to kind of turn them over. And when I go into my daughter's preschool, I want to be, you know, I don't want to come across as jealous or angry or sad or not that I can't be sad, but, you know, I just want to be happy for people and show up in my life and, and be able to walk through it gracefully no matter what's going on in my life. And I feel like that's what this program gives me. It gives me a lot of... Um, a lot of grace and you know I, I definitely have a hard time showing emotions in in public I hate crying in meetings I hate crying in front of people unless it's one close friend or my husband or something but in a room full of people or I hate it I was at my birthday party a couple of weeks ago with my daughter and one of the moms told me she was pregnant another mom was there with her baby and she handed me her baby she's like how are you and i burst into tears at a birthday party like oh it's just and that's just how it goes sometimes you know and and luckily with this program i've learned how to do that i remember coming in and coming to kitchen sink and coming to serenity sunday and seeing this like meeting size and someone standing up there and talking about like food and the shame and thinking how do you get up there and do that and how do you and here I am doing it and you know it's it's just things evolve and things change and things shift and and that's really what's happened you know I've changed and shifted and things that used to be appalling to me before are less so now and and that old saying of time kind of heals is true you know I'm so much better than I was three or four weeks ago and and that's just how it goes um how much more time do I have? Okay. 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 Um, okay. Let's see. Um, I. I. Let's see. I'll talk a little bit about my my relationships with my family. My. My mother has been definitely a difficult relationship. We were close in a lot of ways. You know, she's supportive and she's there and she's a little too there, even being on the other side of, well, she's in Canada and Toronto. And, um, you know, I've really learned in this program how to set boundaries. And that's also been a really big gift. When I moved here, I actually didn't realize I needed to get away from her physically until I moved here. And... Um, things shifted in our relationship for a long time when I first came into program and was working steps and got into therapy and really started examining our relationship and really learned how to set boundaries with her because with my mom I frequently it's like that that line in the big book going to the hardware store for milk and I do that with her I still do that with her because I want this mom that she isn't always that person she gives a lot of advice and she's in my face and she's you know just doesn't understand boundaries when I had my daughter she flew in for the birth and um, then I was deep in labor um, with the Tusa and um, well not with the Tusa but she was there and um, the nurse says to me your mom's here do you want her to come in and I was like no 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 she can't come in there will be she can't come in so she came in after I had the baby and then we left the hospital a few days later and I was nursing and um, I was sitting in a chair in our house, in a rocking chair, and my mom was right 
like she was right here her face was right here and I'm just like what are you doing well I can't see well, there's nothing to see it's not a show go sit over there and that's, like that's my mom like she's right here all the time she just wants to be like just as close as she can get to me and so there's been like physical boundaries I've had to set with her but also more so you know the emotional boundaries of like you can't constantly tell me what to do I don't want advice and I think the advice thing has really gotten from program that we don't give advice we share experience strength and hope and if you don't have experience with it then don't tell me what to do um, I was in grad school and I had to take I was going to take an extra class I was normally taking two classes I was working full-time and I was going to take three and she just like went into me yelling like you're making a huge mistake don't do it like she was so mad and it's like have you ever worked full-time and gone to grad school? No? Okay, then you don't have an opinion. And I took the three classes, and I got three A's, and it was like, don't tell me what to do. And it's those kinds of things that put a real damper on my relationship with her and my ability to trust her and share things with her because inevitably it's going to come back and she's going to tell me what to do. So over time, and you know, being able to work the steps and being able to find ways to, to share things with her, um, I remember something came down. I don't remember what it was, but I wrote her a really angry letter. I remember sending it to a Tusa. She's like, you can't tell that. You just can't tell that. <laughs> and I didn't. And that's also the gift of pause, you know, and being able to share it with somebody else before I, I run off running, you know. It's just, that's such a gift. Um, working the steps, when I got to step nine, I... I wanted to make amends to my dad. I have a very, very close relationship with my dad. He is just... A, phenomenal human being one of my most favorite people in this world and um, he incredibly supportive unless it has to do with the family my stepmother he gets very defensive well, you know there's been stuff over the years and um, there was something I wanted him to say to me all these years which he never said and I just used to push it and I um, I made amends to him. We, he came down to L.A. We're walking on the beach. And my dad's not. He doesn't get programmed. He doesn't, like, he's not a feeling, sharing, like, let's, you know, he's just not like that. And um, we're walking on the beach, and I kept stopping. I was, like, kind of an anxiety attack, making this amends to my dad. And he's like, why do you keep stopping? I'm like, I don't know. We start walking again. And I stop. I'm like, Dad. He's like, yeah. I'm like, nothing. We keep walking. <laughs> Finally, I'm like, Dad. He's like, yeah. So I make the amends. And then he said to me what I wanted to hear all these years. Like, all I had to do was, like, make the amends and own up to my part. And then he said what I would wanted him to say all these years to me. And um, I cried for maybe three or four days over that. It was just like I could not stop crying. And it's really just a real gift to be able to, you know, see my part in things and be able to take a step back and... Oh, thank God. And um, <laughs> take a step back and, um, you know, and be able to, to be honest with someone and, and really have that open relationship with someone and, and talk. And so um, I hope I said something that was helpful. But if not, go to some other meetings. And um, I really appreciate being here. Thank you for asking me to lead. And thank you all for being here. This is a time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If, you're, if you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast.
Any questions? Yeah. My relationship with God? Okay, so the question is how my relationship um, with God was before I entered OA versus now. So I think before, um, I didn't really pray unless there was a situation, you know, if, you know, my mom, my mom was always late, so I always thought she was dead in a ditch, so I used to just pray, please God, let her be safe. It was like those kinds of prayer. There was never really, like, proactive praying unless it was like a situation that I was in fear about, and it was usually about someone dying or something like that. And now there's... There's just a daily, which I don't do every day, but in theory I would be doing every day. And there's been periods I do it every day, um, you know, where I get contact with God. And it's for today. And it's for, it's not because someone's, you know, that someone's late. It's because, you know, help me be a good person and stay in abstinence and make good choices and take action and be a good mom. And, you know, reading the literature and doing some writing and, trying to just get centered it's a totally different connection I never had that before program there was a lot of anxiety and there was really no no God connection with that if that answers your question yeah thank you so much um, what is your abstinence thing and um, how do you handle sugar with your daughter okay so the question is what is my abstinence and how do I handle sugar with my daughter so my abstinence is no refined sugar no binging um, with my daughter I mean we don't keep a lot in the house it's certainly not M&M's or anything my husband <laughs> brought in a big bag of chocolate chip cookies which I think is completely unnecessary for a four year old but she eats sugar I just don't it's fine honestly it's I think if we were keeping mounds of it in the house it might be triggering for me but it's, it's it hasn't been we go to a birthday party we make cupcakes together for her birthday um, the smell was a little intoxicating but it's just I just don't eat that stuff so it's it's been okay we'll see how it evolves over time but she's not she's not really a foodie like the big treat for her is pretzels like she's just not she didn't really even like sugar until probably she was three and changed like she wanted nothing to do with her first birthday cake or her second birthday cake I don't think she really ate much of it she wasn't into it my husband and I look at her like, oh my gosh, she takes two bites and she's done. That's just, so it's been okay. Yeah. How I was sponsored and how I sponsor. So I've had several different sponsors. I've had some go through the 12 and 12, some go through the big book. Um, you know, usually there's a couple call times. Um, take a couple commitments I don't I sort of need sponsoring that's not too hardcore like you have to call me at 6 a.m. every day or you have to get you have to take four commitments and go to 17 meetings like I just can't do that um, so you just have to you know I just find someone that's kind of mellow and can kind of be a support and there's not a lot to say right now about the food and it hasn't been for a long time so trying to find someone that's got more of the life experience and that kind of thing and I sponsor kind of the same way just 
I assume that somebody wants to do this, and so they're going to get to meetings and take a commitment and do all those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My plan of eating. What does my plan of eating look like? Um, it's kind of the same. Like I, I make a smoothie for breakfast, lunch. I, I don't eat a ton of carbs just because I'll gain weight. I, I do eat carbs when I want them, but for the most part, I'll eat like a salad and something for lunch. And dinner is usually a protein and veg. I eat a lot of fruit, probably too much fruit. Um, it's just kind of how my body feels good. Yesterday I had a networking event and we were at a Chinese restaurant and I ate Chinese food and I just felt disgusting all day. It's just too much. It's just, it's yummy, but it's just too much food. Like I just can't eat like that and feel sane in my body. Like I felt a little yucky yesterday. Like that feeling of like, and I didn't overeat, but it's just that kind of food combinations just don't feel good to me. So I don't tend to eat a lot of food like that because I feel that there's so much going on in my life and I can't stand feeling gross in my body. I used to seek that, you know, I used to seek that because I wanted that feeling so I could check out of everything else. And now when my body is not feeling clean, it's like I can't function. I just can't even do anything else. I'm so like, oh, I just want it to go away. So I eat pretty clean so I don't have those feelings. So it's, it's pretty mellow. I don't eat a lot of sexy foods for the most part. And I'll go to dinner and I, I mean, it's, it's fairly, it feels fairly normal in a lot of ways. Like it's just, it's fine. If there's a bad day or two, I can get back on track and then it's fine. I hope that answers your question. Did you have a question? Yeah. Uh, can you tell me how you uh, have worked the steps? How I've worked the steps? So how have I worked the steps? Um, I've done the steps a couple times. Like I said, through, I think initially there were I did it through the 12 and 12 AA and OA and um, answered questions and then did it again through the big book with different questions. Um, Yeah, there's been a couple ways I've been taken through the steps, but it always involves a lot of writing. Um, (laughs) Sometimes there's changing wording in the big book to... There was one part, I think it was, I forget, it was step three maybe, and it was changing it to I, so like I'm reading about me instead of in general, which I thought was really great. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a lot of writing. It's sort of the same, whether it's the big book or the 12 and 12, I think I get the same out of it, to be honest. Hi. So um, how did you work the steps to on your miscarriages? How did that work? How did I work the steps on my miscarriages? Um, I haven't done that with this last one. I did do a bunch of work with some of the previous ones. Um, you know, I'd write letters to God, pretty angry letters. Um, when I first start, I started praying actually a few weeks or maybe a week ago and I read, you know, for today and I read some of the literature and then I read on acceptance, which I do like to read and that book got thrown across the room. So I just wasn't there yet to read on acceptance because I'm not an acceptance, to be honest. But I haven't done formal step work. I mean, I've definitely done some writing and um, trying to get clarity. Sometimes I write a letter to God and then I write back to myself um, and just sharing it with fellows. I've probably done some inventories 
on my body and just the resentments that I'm feeling sort of internally but I haven't done it with the last one so I know that there's been some writing and some letters and those sorts of things previously it's hard to get connected like it's I feel very unwilling after and then as it passes I get into I don't want to deal with it so that's also been part of it like but I think I do end up I do end up doing it as time passes because then it's as I'm moving on to wanting to start trying again, then I feel like I do some writing to kind of move past the past and then get ready to move forward to get into faith about trying again. And I think that's where the steps are helpful to get into acceptance and then be willing to move forward again, which is really hard. It's really scary. It's like that there's such a sense of, um, not. it's not so much failure, but it's failure. Like it's, I don't mean it quite in the way it a failure but it's like my body is is this going to work and it keeps not working and you know that whole saying like doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results and it's sort of in this world that's sort of a gray area because certainly people do have miscarriages and then go on to get pregnant and it's fine but and I did do a lot of changes with this last one I completely changed my diet from I think October last year I was completely off alcohol, caffeine, gluten, dairy, doing acupuncture, herbs, pill, like ugh, all this stuff. And, um, and it didn't work. You know, I got pregnant. It didn't work. And there was just a lot of, a lot of anger with that and a lot of frustration. And I, I just did a lot. I did a lot to sort of do it alternatively and in a health way. And, um, and part of there was a meditation component to it that I just didn't really do. So it's like, well, if I'd meditated, it would have happened. I mean, I don't know, but it's, I'm sort of veering from your question, but a lot of writing, basically, is what I've done. Steps one and nine. Amends to myself. That I did not do. You always make me think, Terrell. <laughs> and step one, I'm powerless. Yeah, that I've, I've gotten to step one, you know. I haven't done step nine. Thanks, Terrell. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Ruth, for your openness and honesty. When you find yourself confronted with um, jealousy or comparing to staff, what do you do with those characters? I try to be prepared before I go into a situation. So I usually know when I'm going to be faced with that. So I pray. I just pray in the morning. God, I'm going to be going to so-and-so's house. She's pregnant. She's this, she's that. Please help me be really supportive and loving and not <coughs> compare and just show up as a good person. And I might call someone. I might really focus there and then leave and call someone and cry or scream or whatever, but I really try to be proactive. When I can pray and do the writing before I go, it's so much better. When it comes up and I'm not prepared, it's much harder. It's much, much harder to deal with that. It's, um, it's, and it also depends on just my general mood. So right now, I'm feeling a lot better. Five minutes, I'm feeling a lot better, so it's not... It's more internal. I don't think it shows as much. So it just depends on the situation. But I do try to be proactive and pray before I go. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
My relationship to service and how that helps me. Um, you know, my first many years, I always had commitments. I was secretary at different meetings. I was, I always had commitments. I always sponsored. I was always very involved, and that really helped me create a fellowship. You know, I've made some very, very close friends in this program um, that stood up for me at my wedding, that were a big part of my wedding, um, part of my births. Um, you know, I've made some very, very dear friends in this program. I think that's through fellowship and through getting to know people and also being of service to other people keeps you out of your own stuff. Um, you know, to be honest, since I've had my daughter, I haven't been as involved. Um, I still do get to meetings. I haven't had a service commitment in probably a year, I would say. Um, and I really do need to take another one on. But that's in the history and I think that's really when I first came in I was going to five six meetings a week and I loved it and I took a lot of commitments and and I think that's how I got abstinent and made connections here and became part of the fellowship you know got to know people and and um, to feel a part of the group so I think it's a really important part of the program but um, I'm not doing it right now <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, um, could you talk more about uh, your journey uh, of your career and how you came uh, to the realization that you wanted to work for yourself and how the program led you there and even looking at now how you found the structure of the program with a less structured career? Sure. So the question is how I've sort of come to work for myself and how program influenced that. Um, I was working for somebody that I hated and um, <laughs> hated the company, hated her and was really scared about, I'd been thinking about going on my own for a really long time. I had a baby. I went back to work after three months and it just came to a head. I hated her. We weren't getting along. I left and um, I remember sitting at the beach one day and I was getting job offers in the field and I was like having anxiety like I just don't want to do this anymore what should I do and there's so much financial fear and so much can I do this will it happen I remember going down to the beach with some paper and a pen and I sat there and I just said okay God what do I want in a job and the first thing I wrote was be my own boss it was very very clear that I did not want to work for anybody else and then it was okay what am I going to do and what do I take my past experience and my degree and how do I create this into a workable model and it took some time you know I did a lot of writing I don't know exactly how it totally clicked to be honest but I had sort of a sense as to what I wanted to do and then I just did it you know the first person I called for networking I cold called her and she took a meeting with me she gave me five names of people to call they all took meetings with me they all gave me five names and they all gave me five names and I spent a year networking with very little work and somehow we managed you know I did a lot of prayer as long as I was out there networking I was okay like as long as I was having meetings and taking action for the business I was pretty sane with the whole thing when I you know if there were lulls it was like oh my god what's going on and then business started to come in you know the first year there was some business not a lot and then the second year it picked up and the third year it picked up and I really prayed every day just God help me take as much action as I can 
to build this business, help me feel worthy to build this business, that I'm good enough, that I can do the work, that, you know, faith that it's going to happen, take action, and all these things. It was a daily reprieve. There was a lot of anxiety around the business. And there still is anxiety sometimes, but, um, you know, this, this program, having a connection with God and fellows and the writing, and it just helps me push through that and do the business, you know, and just and do it. And it's, it's been such a gift, such a gift, this business. It's so much more flexibility. It's, it's just mine. If I don't want to work, I don't work. If I want a day off, I take it. Like, it's just lovely. There's no one breathing down my back. It's great. It's just, it's a real gift. Thank you.